0: Is up front on the voice of America. I'm Jackson Bunganyi in Washington. Thank you so much for joining us today. A very happy Black History Month to all of you. On the show today, we talk to Jomo Tariku, an Ethiopian American artist and industrial designer whose work appeared in the Marvel superhero movie Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Tariku talks to us about the concept of Afrofuturism
1: and the ideas and themes that inspire his work. Anything could be an inspiration as long as it is from the land of Africa. So I try to focus on architecture, uh, hairstyles, uh, colors, food, uh, the, the landscape, the wildlife.
0: We also talked to Tanzanian filmmaker Honeymoon Al-Jabri about her new movie, Dodoma, and some of the challenges facing African filmmakers.
2: I try to, do, to get northwest, south, and central, and east. So that means the whole Africa, because I have cut it from West Africa, Nigerian Ghana, South Africa,
0: Malawi. But first, let's hear from you, our listeners. We asked our listeners in Ghana about the economic situation in the country and some of the ideas on what can be done to fix it. Ghana's economy, the Akufuando government has really... This time around the economy, it's in a big mess because we can't even pay our utility bills, our rents are high, we can't even feed our children, and it's it's disturbing. Uh, What I think the government should do is that they should have control over prices, especially they should go to the marketplaces, Um, they should put in policies that will control our uh, prices in the market because people are really overpricing goods uh, in the marketplaces. And I think some policies should be in place so that these goods would be
2: checked. Um, the economy is actually not treating us well. Not really treating us good. Affecting business here and there. You know, clients complaining of high cost of Materials and work and everything, it's really too bad. Um, The government should look at the private sector, I think, because we have the majority. Those who are working for ourselves, the entrepreneurs and everything, they should invest more and stop
0: too much borrowing. That's all I can say. Many thanks to all of you for contributing your opinions to the show. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bungani. Marvel's Black Panther movies one and two, both set in a fictional African country, have broken box office records. And the first made over a billion dollars at the box office, while the recently released sequel, Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever, has made over $842 million so far at the global box office. But commercial success aside, the superhero movies, best off a comic strip, have become a cultural phenomenon steeped in the concept of Afrofuturism, which is defined as a cultural aesthetic that imagines a future where science fiction and the black diaspora intersect. And the popularity of the franchise has amplified the debate that there needs to be more diversity and representation of African culture in the global film industry. Jomo Tariku is an Ethiopian-American artist and industrial designer who created some of the furniture featured in the movie. His work can also be found in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York and the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. He joins me today in studio at the Voice of America to talk about the inspiration behind his designs and the need for representation
1: in the global design industry. Um, my journey started maybe 30-plus years uh, earlier. Uh, I, I ended up studying industrial design. And as part of your industrial design, you have to do a design thesis. And uh, I selected to do um, how to come up with a method for creating a modern line of African furniture uh, and not be completely back then, not to be focused in creating one of a kind, but how how you would actually develop a series of set of furniture pieces that you can make and, make, first of all, design and make. Mm. And, and the reason I did this was because uh, back in 92, 93, I already uh, have noticed that we were not represented in the market, uh, in the general uh, home decor market, well when it comes to African-based uh, design. Mm. Uh, if if any, I uh, would mostly be focused towards what, Europeans would be thinking what African designers masks and animal prints um I always like to to um say that there's nothing wrong with those. It's just that uh, us being uh you know we, we need to be part of the conversation people, yes mm. uh, our contribution <laughs> is not only these th- and not the european and reinterpretation of those things right right. Where do you draw your inspiration for your furniture in terms of uh, concepts, ideas, themes? Uh, I draw my, mostly from sub-Saharan Africa. And I try my best not to only focus on pre-existing traditionally made furniture pieces. Uh, Again, part of my thesis uh, argument was anything could be an inspiration as long as it is from the land of Africa. So I try to focus on architecture uh, hairstyles, uh, colors, food, uh, the the landscape, the wildlife, anything that piques my interest ends up on my sketch pad as a potential launching pad for coming up with new ideas.
0: Mm. Now I've seen some of your work, and a couple of them looked familiar. For example, the the stool, the Ashanti stool, yes. and and the comb. You know, what, what draws you to these objects? Is it the, the when you're thinking about reimagining them or reinterpreting them? Yeah. Are you drawn because of their history, their background, like the significance
1: in culture? Or is it because
0: of their design aesthetic?
1: All of them. I mean, I grew up, my, my father was an avid historian. He loved to read books about history. And it didn't matter from which part of the world. Uh, so things like that, and just by the mere fact of, you know, when we were uh, growing up, you you would be considered lucky if at home you had uh, what back then was volumes of encyclopedia, you know, A to Z. And we had those. Those were where if I...
0: That's the really, modern day internet,
1: so yeah, modern exactly. day Google, so, <laughs> or social media. <laughs> yeah, this is, these are things that I would flip through and look at. The, mostly, unfortunately, and this is, I think, should have been an indication that I'm a visual person. Yeah, I would mostly look at the pictures, where they're from, uh, and that kind of carried over into these things that I do. So the Ashanti or the uh, the Afro hair pick. I mean, these these are like uh, these are objects that. You know, even in passing, you see them, and they tend, at least from the, my angle, the striking. it's very striking. Mm. So it's not only about the historical significance and what they mean; it's just also the those organic shapes that I've grown up with. Even though we've never had an Ashanti stool, mm. you know, once I saw that in a you know in a book, that's been like uh, it was ingrained, ingrained into your ingrained brain. Into yeah. brain. Yeah, yeah. You know, I never got a chance to reinterpret it my way, so where I can put my signature while respecting where I got the idea and always I name I name my my designs the final designs after the things that inspired me because I want people who don't know and I've run into Ghanaians, they make the connection mm.
0: so you want it to be a getway mm. into the culture yes into the everybody. larger culture right
1: not, not only for Africans but for everybody because you might not know what an am stool is if you're let's say from from East Africa. Africa. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And what is it like to be a black industrial designer in terms of the marketplace of ideas and products? Mm -hmm. How open is the design industry to people like yourself?
1: Uh, It hasn't been open. There is still a struggle. Uh, There's not that many, uh, many of us uh, practicing and doors are finally opening. Uh, we want more. I want more uh, people from the continent of Africa, in the diaspora, and from here to actually look into industrial design as one way to not only make a living but also to put their own interpretation and contribution into the design canon. And I, uh, yes, things are changing. Yes, we're contributing. We're adding to the design canon, but recognition has been lacking. And finally. Uh, I think we're making headway. Is this the
0: moment you think it's... Do you think... I mean, so so some of... We've seen movements come and yeah, go. Yes.
1: And, <laughs> it, and, and I agree with you. We have to be a bit cautious about this. Because, like you said, you have to be careful that it's not a fad. Yes. Is the Are the museums collecting African art and design into the fad of, okay, let's collect few from few designers like me. Mm. And once they hit, you know, super saturation... From their perspective, they just walk away. Mm. So that's where the advocacy of, you know, groups like I'm um, part of the Black Artists and Designers Guild consists. To sustain advocate. the momentum. It has to be sustained mm. because our contribution is consistent. It needs to be moving forward. There's more of us coming behind us. There are people, who, even though I said there might not be many of us, how do I know? Maybe there's more of Absolutely. us. Absolutely. You know, so we have to reach out, bring people into the fold, and promote their contribution and not only us
0: in case you're just joining us this is upfront on the voice of america my name is jackson vungani i'm chatting with jomo tariku an artist and industrial designer behind some of the set pieces featured on the blockbuster black panther wakanda forever movie jomo tariko joins me in studio here at the voice of america have you collaborated at some at this point with any of the artisans, whether in these different cultures, different mm-hmm. spaces, uh, different countries that have actually contributed to making? these uh original arts have you thought about i have mm. and
1: unfortunately it might be because of the length of time it's taking me to build my own career the third year journey that has not materialized it's not because i haven't thought about it mm. uh, I, I remember reaching out uh, making connections in rwanda that didn't pan out <laughs> partially because of uh you know i couldn't travel at one point logistics yeah, mm. logistics mm. income and all mm. these uh, family responsibilities but it's always at the back of my mind. So at a minimum, my goal is to participate in a few um, design events in, within Africa and contribute into that. And I've participated in Accra, Lagos, and obviously in, in Addis. Mm-hmm. And I try my best to at least to stay connected, even though I've made been making my living in the U.S.
0: Right. Afrofuturism, uh, how would you define it in terms of uh, furniture design and what are some of, uh, I guess, misconceptions of what a, a black furniture or black industrial designer should be? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I don't know. If, I, I don't think there is a huge... The, the great thing, at least from the way I understand Afrofuturism, is open from, for any perspective, mm. from the black experience, be it from the continent of Africa, the Caribbean, the, the US, Europe, wherever we've settled and where our ancestors have moved on. <clears throat> it's just a marriage of, you know, it's future-looking, but also a respect to what our ancestors have done in the past and merging it And you know, my design principle have been following this, even when I didn't know what Afrofuturism was. was. And right. I said, you know what, I do fit in here. Mm. I have have a space in the Afrofuturist. It's recognizing thing. the things that inspire us from the past without
0: even really knowing what is it that is inspiring you. But our exactly. ancestors, I guess, have created a, you know, pathways for us. In they have. Whether it's mean, art. I mean, yeah. uh,
1: is, for me, when I see handmade stools and objects and craft, it just fascinates me. And I I keep on trying to pass this on to other designers that we really need to give respect for these people. Unlike me, who using the Western method of branding yourself, you know, Joe Mo as a designer, the people who created the Shanti Stool and all the other objects never put down their name. Mm -hmm. They never signed the bottom. They never tried to get on a magazine. Their goal was not that. Their goal was partially to create utilitarian objects and give it back to their community. So as things have progressed, branding and that concept came in, and now we, I am one of those beneficiaries of these things. And I think I have to acknowledge the, that contribution more than, you know, the, the popular question to most designers and artists and musicians is, uh, you know, who's your favorite designer or who's your favorite artist or whatever? Mm. And you'd, you'd name another contemporary. I, I have other contemporaries that I love. But when I'm given the stage like this one, I prefer to say, the people that i don't know them the unknowns yet, the unknowns yeah. that have really are the reasons why i have even have this career that i can say africa played a role into what i'm doing now i prefer to raise that you know my arms to them and say you've done You've done the hard work. I'm mm-hmm. just passing the torch. Right. In this day.
0: Let's talk about your involvement with uh, Black Panther. How did that happen? How did I, that come by?
1: I don't want to say involvement. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, the, the studio reached out. Simple email, uh, if I remember right, was, um, uh, we want to use your work as part of a stage design for a movie. Kind of a very. Did um, you
0: ask them, how did you find me? <laughs>
1: Well, initially I'm <laughs> uh-huh. seeing that and I've received emails where people, where movie productions and uh, ads want, have wanted to mm. use my work for staging. So I didn't think it was a... A big deal. A, yeah, mm. but, you know, sitting on uh, at dinner same night, like a few hours later, I'm, I'm talking to my wife. And I say, hey, um, the email has com. without recognizing MCU stood for uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. And my son quickly caught that and said, oh, wow, that has to be, <laughs> can only be Black Panther. Yeah. What else? So I had to run and reply. And obviously, in follow-up emails, they said, we want to use some of your work. And they ended up using uh, 14 of my work in various spots. Mm. Um, I just want to make sure I... I, I I'm not a. I am one of many designers' work that they've they've used uh, just to.
0: But your 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 designs are quite important, and I look at your pieces and it feels like it was created by somebody who's involved in that project.
1: Well, I, it, in a weird way, I, you know, I don't want to say it's a premonition, but I, I remember I, would, I was at a, a, state department event where I was one of the speakers, and the, the MC said, uh, "This guy does, you know." Uh, uh, I was there for a data science-related presentation, but as part of my bio, he said, and he does furniture, and, you know, he kind of, uh, and it just said, uh, so would you do uh, furniture for Black Banner? And I kind of wow. said, yeah. I would. <laughs> and, you know, that when, was how many years before that? Was that was maybe five, six years ago. Um, I was still at World Bank and... Again, when my Niala chair, then Mido was selected by the Met mm-hmm. and I found out the designer of that Afro Futures period room that they were uh, putting together was being uh, uh, designed by Hannah Bickler of Black Panther, I said, "You know what uh, to, to my furniture guy who's, who builds my chairs?" I said, "I would be surprised if one of our work doesn't end up. In this the does aligned." When, when <laughs> it's, <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. Oh,
1: thank, you. thank you for having me. Yeah. You had a great
0: That was Jomo Tariku, an artist and industrial designer behind some of the set pieces featured on the blockbuster Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie. You're listening to Upfront on The Voice of America, Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. The
2: economy is really bad. Things are expensive, like transportation fees. We can't even afford food. Yeah. The government should stop building the cathedral and use that money to build the one district, one factory. Because even now, there are so many nurses that they have not been posed. Things are really expensive in this country, so the cathedral should be cancelled and use that money to build the one that should want to so that the unemployment will be employed.
0: Welcome back. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bunganyi. Now, from Nollywood to Healywood, the African film industry is one of the fastest growing industries in the world, bringing in billions of dollars in revenue each year. Even though many African film production budgets are small compared to their Western counterparts, the movies are both dynamic and vibrant, and they contribute significantly to the global film landscape. Hanemun Aljabri is a Tanzanian filmmaker whose roles include writing, producing, and directing documentaries and feature films. She talks to me about her new movie, Dodoma, which boasts of a cast that represents much of the continent. And how, even as they struggle to find financing, African filmmakers strive to tell the stories that are unique to Africa and that resonate with audiences both within and outside the continent.
2: Dodoma uh, is a film about love and loss. And uh, it's just right time for these two lovers. They fall but they couldn't get to be together because of timing. And... Uh, the movie is shot in Mafia Island. It's a beautiful island in Tanzania, and the cast and crew are all over Africa.
0: So you, you said mm. earlier that this is one of the first films that has a cast that is representative of the whole continent.
2: Yeah, because uh, I try to do to get north, west, south, and central and east. So that means the whole Africa, because I have casted from West Africa. Nigerian Ghana, South Africa, Malawi, mm. uh, Central Africa, Kenya,
0: Was that Tanzania. intentional on your part, or that you wanted to make a quote-unquote pan-African movie?
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that was the first thing I wanted. I was like, I will find the best of each country that I, I was aiming, like uh, each part of the continent. So I got South Africa, this lady called Tumi Moroke. She's a big comedian in South Africa, and uh, the second girl was from New York, but she's uh, South African. Her name is Nono.
0: When did you shoot the film?
2: Uh, we shot in May.
0: Okay, yes, that's during the pandemic. How how difficult was it to make the film during the pandemic?
2: Oh, it's 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 very difficult because like you had to eliminate a lot of things to be able to get the permission to to film so had to film with less crew as much as we can because we are not allowed like to have a lot of people at the same place so we we made the lemonade from the lemons we had
0: Mm. did that affect uh, the quality of the film or do you feel Mm -hmm. like you were able to have a final product that uh, was reflective of the of the effort but also captures quite the story quite well
2: It captured everything that I wanted. You know, like uh, human uh, flexible. Like if you tell like we have three people, people they'll be like, oh, we have three people, then they can divide that job for three people. But when you say, hey, this job can be done, and we have two people, and that's what happened. Like, hey, we we want to make this, and I think we are all able of doing it. We can just uh, push a little bit. Maybe we can add one hour of doing it, or we can try to do as much as we can to get done
0: mm.
2: according to the time, the place, what we had. So
0: everybody's uh, putting in an extra effort to make to make sure yes. that this works out, even if yes. you're working with a, a smaller crew. Yes. Um. And who are you targeting with this film? Who is your target audience?
2: My target audience is uh, Africans and diasporas. Uh, I feel like... Uh, we, as Africans, we have to tell our own stories, because if we don't, somebody else will. And if when they do it, they'll tell different story, the way they perceive Africa and all they think Africa we are. Like this uh, new movie about uh, Viola Davis, about uh, the women hero, it's a little bit contradiction because we let other people tell our own stories that's what my fear is like african who have been letting people acknowledge and write our our history and we are laid back and look or read from the people who we don't know or they think they know us mm-hmm. so that my my ambition is to like uh, to collaborate with african or pan africans to create something that will pick our name will acknowledge our efforts and will make us our our heroes, our heroes.
0: The heroes of our own stories. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about you as an independent filmmaker. What are some of the challenges that you face as a, an independent African filmmaker?
2: Uh, usually I say I start with like three strikes. <laughs> I'm a female African. And uh, in this world of uh, film, like a lot of directors we know, they're men white males that they really, you know, stand still in this uh, industry. So it's very hard for people to believe in women, especially African women. And like uh, even Netflix itself, like uh, I had the first film, they didn't want to take it because they say, I am from East Africa, and they didn't take East African content then. So I had film and I didn't know where to take it, and it's like, not like I have funds from, like, maybe uh organization. It's like uh, m- my work. I work, I get money, I save, and I create things. Because I believe, like, I want to tell African story, and I will keep putting my faith <laughs> right there until they will believe me one day and be able to get fund. Because I tried in Tanzania, I even used their products, like uh, Serengeti beer, but I uh, asked them for sponsorship, they didn't want to give to me. So like Tanzania, I got zero sponsorship. Mm. And uh, I usually do say it's hard.
0: That, do you feel that if if you are a man who is uh, going to them for, for these funds, it would have been easier for you if you were uh, a uh, 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 so white male to look for money?
2: Definitely. Definitely. Mm. Like, I know, like, our culture in Tanzania right now, if a white male from Hollywood would go to Tanzania and talk to those beer company or, like, sugar company or any company that you will have to advertise in the film, in heartbeat they'll say yes. I saw so many times Foreigner come to Tanzania and they get sponsorship, they get funds and everything, and people they round around them to cheer their work because they're just from abroad Mm, and uh, they have something to offer. Yeah. Mm.
0: But that has not stopped you from making your movie. You're saying you're using your own personal resources to 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 make these stories, to create these stories, uh, because you understand the importance of the stories. Um, what advice would you give to an upcoming filmmaker, a young female filmmaker that looks at your movies and is like, you know, I want to be like Honeymoon One Day, create these movies, make these stories, and tell you these stories?
2: I think start to create. Create with which whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want. Just keep creating. Because I believe this. If you wait to get a real fund, you get a lot of millions. That doesn't come easy. But nowadays, the life has become very easy for filmmakers. You can use even an iPhone to film something. Start to create. You know, sometimes we think, like, oh, I want to be a filmmaker. Don't think that you want to be a filmmaker. Be a filmmaker. Start to create. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a writer, start to write now. Just keep writing. You need... Like, this is a script I wrote seven years ago. So I have, like, 20 five of the scripts then my computer. Like whatever I feel age of writing, I write and uh, I feel like okay, one day I'll get money to uh produce this film, I'll produce. So if you want to be a filmmaker, if you're a writer, start to write, if you are content creator, start to create content and uh, no it's not a word. Mm. Just keep
0: pushing. Keep pushing. Keep.
2: Yeah, because it's your dream. It's either you work on your dream or somebody else's dream. We only have two options in this world,
0: honeymoon. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with us.
2: Thank you, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, brother.
0: And with that, we come to the end of our show today. Many thanks to all of you for tuning in. Remember to connect with us on our social media platforms at VOA Upfront on Instagram and on Facebook. Until next time, let's connect again right here on The Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vunganyi. Goodbye, everyone. Are you wandering around lost in a musical desert? Well, follow your ears to the fantastic, the one and only African music mix on The Voice of America. Yourself in this musical oasis. From the north to the south and from the east to the west, the African music mix plays only the best.
1: Tune in at 200,
0: 300, 1200,
1: and 1300 UTC gm
0: Every day, right here on VOA Africa. Hello, Africa. This is James Bratte, host of Daybreak Africa, inviting you to join me every weekday morning at 3, 4, 5, and 6 hours UTC as we bring you the latest in African news, features, and sports. You can also be a part of Daybreak Africa through our listener mail segment by sending your comments and opinions to Daybreak Africa. At voa news.com. You can also call us and leave us a voicemail at 202-205-9942. That's 202-205-9942. And when you hear the voice of America identification, press the number 25 to leave us your message. Start your day with Daybreak Africa every weekday morning at 3, 4, 5 and 6 hours UTC on The Voice of America.